0: We want to welcome each and every one of you here to our total member involvement session. We're thankful that you chose to be here this afternoon, and we wanted to begin with a word of prayer, knowing that it's his Holy Spirit that will truly make this session impactful long-term. So if you'll join us with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you and we're thankful for everything that you've done in our lives personally, and we long to share that with others. Lord, we want to thank you for this session, and we pray for your Holy Spirit to be here in our midst as we talk about total member involvement.
1: Lord, you know our desire.
2: All of those who
1: are sharing all throughout the seminar, Lord, is really just to see you come soon in our lifetime. And so we're asking God, as we're all here talking about your work, talking about spiritual things, that your Holy Spirit would be here and do a miracle in helping us to discern spiritual things, Lord. We ask for the Spirit of God to fall here, that we would be excited and revived again and ready to go back to our churches to make a difference. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence. In your name I pray, amen.
0: Amen. We're so thankful that every one of you have been able to join us this afternoon for our total member involvement session We praise God for what he is doing all over the world, and we are excited about what will also continue and grow here in the North American division. Uh, One question that some people have asked is, why are we having this meeting? It's a special session at ASI. It's not during the sessions where there's breakouts and seminars. Why are we having this session? And we have to answer the question, why total member involvement? Uh, just to give you a, a short 30-second history, there was a ASI brainstorm that was planned where young people that are involved in ministry, on the front lines of ministry, got together uh, because of our dear friend Norm. And he said, why don't we sit and talk about ways that we can really get evangelism happening here in the North American Division, just a brainstorm session of what can happen, And as we were sitting there, we came up with the idea of getting leaders all in one room, people who have influence in churches, people who have a desire to see others become active in ministry. And it was our idea to pull them all into one room. We initially began thinking about just inviting Bible workers or those who had gone to mission colleges to be trained in evangelism. We started thinking of medical missionary workers who were involved in in doing front lines work in those areas. And then we began to think outside of that and think, you know, there's other people who have a definite desire to see Jesus come in their generation. There's people who are leaders in their churches, and we wanted to pull everyone into one room to talk about this concept, not just doing the work, but getting the work done. And as we think about that, as we think about total member involvement There's many different reasons uh, for why total member involvement is important, but it all began just from that little session, and and we started praying about it. I ended up asking Elder Steve Dickman if it would be possible to have a session at ASI, and Kyle Allen helped us kindly with getting this beautiful room so that we could have a meeting and talk about these things. We, of course, invited Elder Dwayne McKee, who is in charge of total member involvement for the World Church, And he decided to gladly come and help us and share some of the amazing things that are happening around the world. Uh, I don't know how it all happened, but Elder Wilson decided to join us too. And we're really thankful that he's here. And we praise God because we know that this is a passion, not just of one person or two, but of all of us, right? It's a passion of all of us. And so that is why we are here today. As you think about uh, total member involvement you may ask yourself the question, why? Why does everyone need to be involved? Why isn't this work going to be finished simply through pastors and trained workers? Why does it have to be everyone? And it's very interesting. When you read in in Acts, um, it's clear that many thousands were being added to the church daily. When I hear that word thousands and daily put together in one verse— I get really excited. I don't know about you, but I get really excited because I long to see that day when each one is reaching one. And so as we think about this, uh, right here, check out this verse, uh, right, or this um, quote right here. It says, in Acts of the Apostles, Christ has given the church a sacred charge. Every member should be a channel of light through which God can communicate to the world the treasures of his grace. How many members? Every, right? It says every member. There is nothing that the world needs so much as the manifestation through humanity of the Savior's love. All heaven is waiting for men and women through whom God can reveal the power of Christianity. It's interesting. Christian service goes on to share. Why TMI? Why total member involvement? And this is one of the biggest reasons why I'm excited about helping others to be involved in ministry. It's because I long for Jesus to come. And I long to see the latter rain come. I long to see a church that's activated by the, you know, the latter rain, the Holy Spirit's power coming down on his church. That's something that I cannot wait to see. And if you look at Christian Service, page 253, it says, The great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with his glory, will not come until we have an enlightened people that know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. It says, when we have entire wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his spirit without what? Without measure. But this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. That quote hit me in the heart when I thought about it. And a last one here. It says, when the churches become living, working churches, The Holy Spirit will be given in answer to their sincere request. Then the windows of heaven will be open for the showers of the latter rain. I long for that. And I know that there there is a lot of this happening around the world. I know that you see it happening in your churches. And my question is, how can it happen everywhere? How can it happen in every church? And that's why we're here today. So I'd like to invite up Elder McKee and Elder Wilson. They're going to share with us right now the big picture vision of total member involvement, things that are happening around the world. I hear they just got back from Rwanda, and they're excited about what God is doing there. But I'm going to invite them up and share big picture vision, and then we will come up and share how how can this happen in the North American Division? I know that's happening in Rwanda, but how can it happen here? So please, if you'll join me. Say again. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: okay. We're going to show a video in just a second. You guys catch? Can you play catch?
0: Anybody? All right. Anybody else over here? <laughs> play catch. <laughs>
3: Hey, good, good. Those are TMI balls. Can I say one more thing?
0: Yeah, go ahead, Heidi. He's really excited about those. And if anyone else wants a TMI ball, there's some by the door before you leave. But as we're going through this session, if you have questions about total member involvement, how to make this work at your church, I'm putting this number on the screen right now. This is a number that you can text your questions. We are having a Q&A panel afterwards. So if there are questions that come up, take this number down really quick. So if there are questions that come up, please text this number. Okay, I will say it. It is 619-203-6108. Again, that's
3: 619-203-6108. Heidi, I have here with us also, Andrew McChesney. Would you stand up, please, Andy? He was with us in Rwanda, and he just put an article on the online review. It just, right now, right? This came up, so if you want to look at that later, not while we're talking, but later. Now we have a, a video, right
0: video.
4: In the very heart of Africa lies the nation of Rwanda. Despite a darkened past, a new light is beginning to dawn over this land of a thousand hills. A bold new initiative of the Seventh day Adventist Church is being implemented in unprecedented ways. This is the story of total member involvement.
3: a country ravaged by pain a few years ago, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is bringing hope. This is one of the most exciting events that I've attended. East Africa is excited about giving. Here in Rwanda, we're we're witnessing something that's unprecedented in the Adventist Church. In this whole country, people feel that God is out for something huge. This is total member involvement. thousand years ago, Jesus launched a program uh, actually as the Great Commission. And we all know it, Matthew 28, go and preach and teach and baptize and disciple. And because of that Great Commission, we're all excited and interested here in Rwanda about total member involvement. We have seen church members take off with this incredible idea of total member involvement. They have gotten so involved themselves, they have given cows away, they've given goats away, they've given sheep away. Literature distribution, Bible studies, health outreach, community services. They made banners, scarves, t-shirts, all kinds of things to promote TMI. The people who are members here take the time to invite their friends. The church leaders follow up with the people to make sure they're ready to be baptized. So it's really a team effort. Not only are the Rwandans involved in doing TMI, but the General Conference staff is excited and interested to be involved here and model what we are talking about back in Silver Springs, Maryland. The Lord wants to use Everyone, pastors, lay people, everyone in this great effort. Church members have been energized as they are taking ASI New Beginning sermons and preaching, and they're excited about reaching friends and neighbors for Jesus and bringing them to
5: some of the TMI meetings. For a long time, the work has been in the hands of the pastors, and the lay people have been spectating by and large, but now Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has somebody they can reach. Every church member now has understood that wherever he is, he will be trying to reach one and bring one.
6: There are over 2,200 evangelistic sites here in this beautiful but small country of Rwanda. And we're only two of those 2,000 plus sites. A few of those sites have young people from the United States, people from Europe.
7: I am 12 years old and I preach here in Rwanda. I was so excited when when I made my first call and hundreds of people came forward. It was very exciting.
5: This is my first time preaching, doing anything like this. It, It is the most fulfilling experience that I have ever had. I rely on God, but here you really like rely on God to speak through you, to use you in any way possible, and it's limitless what He can do with a willing soul. Before I came on this mission trip, I was feeling very cold spiritually. Like, okay, is this all to Christianity? But the first night, I saw that God had a purpose on why I was there. God has really shown His love to me I have seen that He is real, because you see Him moving in the hearts of other people. And when you see the changes that are happening in their lives, you can't doubt that He can do the same for you.
3: Every night, thousands of people are making decisions for Christ. These wonderful people are ready to be
6: baptized and to join this great Advent movement. What we're witnessing right here on the shores of Lake Kivu is representative of what is happening
3: all across this country. A 100,000 baptisms, the most that's ever happened in the history of the Adventist Church. And the exciting thing is,
6: this is only the beginning. This program is going to continue until Jesus will come again.
3: This is so exciting what has happened here in Rwanda But this is a model for the world church We've been wanting to end here It's up to you to make it happen In your local church, your local community, your local conference
5: You don't have to do some grand thing to be involved in TMI It should be part of your everyday life
3: All of us have been given opportunities And we need to do what God has called us to do To fulfill the mission that he has given to each one of us what a
6: time to be alive. What a time to be part of total member involvement. God bless each one of you as you engage with heaven and the power that the Lord will give you to carry this message to the very ends of this
3: earth. Probably the most important thing that we all can do is pray. And many of us are here because of prayer. Elder Wilson, come up and share with us. I think uh, you're... you're Better half. This is the first time, and she, she would always pray for you, wouldn't she? But she never thought she could do this. Come up and share with us. Nancy preached her first evangelistic meeting, and it's not going to be her last.
6: What a, what a joy it is to see so many of you here this afternoon. I want to tell you as we lift up Christ and his righteousness, and understand the justifying and sanctifying power given to each of us through his grace, as we are faithful to God and to his word, and everything that comes along with that, it will naturally translate into a burning desire to tell someone else about this relationship. And that is total member involvement. I just came from another meeting that was taking place, the Amen meeting, the Adventist Medical Evangelism Network, and what a powerful organization that is. Let me start out, because I have a number of things to say in about eight more minutes, and we say what a joy it is to be with vibrant young people like Heidi and Ranella and others who are so excited about Jesus, you can't contain them. You saw that already and you're going to hear more. But I want to explain that total member involvement is not just public evangelistic meetings. Understand that from the beginning. Now that's a funny way to start, in a negative way. Total member involvement is not just public evangelism. Public evangelism is part of total member involvement. It's one of many things to be able to touch the lives of people. I wanna draw your attention to scripture In John chapter 9, Jesus said in verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Now, if this was Jesus' experience and his direction, shouldn't it be ours also to understand that all of us need to have an urgency about what God wants us to do? The Seventh-day Adventist Church has been preaching the second coming of Christ for decades. The Bible even references that some people will scoff at the end of time, where is the coming of the Lord? We're in that time right now when people have kind of gotten second coming fatigue. But I want to tell you, where Seventh-day Adventists may be getting tired of it, you just ask the average person on the street anywhere in the world, and they will tell you, something's going to happen. Everybody knows the world is disintegrating. As we face God's last appeal to this world, he is longing for Seventh-day Adventists to take the lead, and it is not just pastors, paid workers, and a few supporting lay people who might stand in the background and pray and wish everything well for the pastors. Praying is absolutely important, and we're grateful for the prayer ministry of so many. But it is not just what lay people are to do. They are to be actively involved in everything. Let me read a quotation from Volume 9, pages 116 to 117. Those who have the spiritual oversight of the church should devise ways and means by which an opportunity may be given to every member of the church to act some part in God's work. Every person. Too often in the past, this has not been done. Plans have not been clearly laid and fully carried out, whereby the talents of all might be employed in active service. There are but few who realize how much has been lost because of this. Then she goes on to say, the leaders of God's cause as wise generals are to lay plans for advanced moves all along the line. In their planning, they are to give special study to what? To the work that can be done by the laity for their friends and neighbors. Now here's the last sentence, and this is the punch. The work of God in this earth, similar to a quote that Heidi read, the work of God in this earth can never be finished until the men and women comprising our church membership rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and church officers. Total member involvement, it involves all of us, working in an absolutely united way with Christ at the center. What does it involve? Everything from literature distribution, comprehensive health ministry, uh, Bible studies, community service, working with ADRA. I see our ADRA president, uh, Jonathan, we're wel- we welcome you here. We're glad you're here with us. In fact. This afternoon, we have a number of division presidents with us. Division presidents, I'd like you to stand where you are right now. Just stand where you are. These individuals are here to see how best they can work with lay members in a powerful way in total member involvement. Thank you, leaders. Thank you for standing. Uh, And I should have included Rick. Rick, you better stand up too. Rick is kind of an honorary division president. He's the president of the Middle East North Africa Union, which covers about 5,000 miles, 500 million people, and 3,500 Adventists. You want a challenge? There's a challenge. But many of these men have stood representing incredible areas of challenge. Total member involvement involves everything you can think of and more in terms of reaching out to people. Public evangelism is only the little blip once in a while that comes along where you actually are able to proclaim the word publicly. Now that may take place in a small group, in a home, in a secluded place, depending on the setting and depending upon the contemporary culture. There are places in this world where people say evangelism is dead and will not work here. Now, it may be that traditional public evangelism will not work in that place, but let me tell you, evangelism will work everywhere until the end of time. (laughs) Talking to people's hearts with an urgency that Jesus himself said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. And the daytime is quickly slipping away. Now, total member involvement. And we're going to get these wonderful ladies up here, and they're going to be helping us, and Kyle and others uh, who are going to help us to understand this from a young perspective. You know, Dwayne McKee, who is our special director for total member involvement for the entire world and also Sabbath School Personal Ministries director, and it goes beautifully together, he is wearing a total member involvement shirt, TMI, and he even got me one, which I didn't put on, but I will one of these days, TMI. You know, in Rwanda, the key to success in Rwanda was that the lay people got so excited, you could not stop them. The Holy Spirit just took over. And the lay people felt, this is ours, we're gonna run with it. They produced, and these weren't for Rwanda, this is something that Dwayne has put together, and I'm gonna wear it with pride. TMI, they produced shirts, blouses, ties. I have a tie that says TMI from Rwanda. Caps, I don't, all scarves, all kinds of things. Let me tell you, you can wear this shirt, you can wear a TMI tie, you can wear a TMI hat, but you won't be doing TMI activity. In order to really be totally involved, you have to get out and do something. This is only to remind you of what you are to do. Total member involvement. I just have to tell you I am seeing around the world an interest on the part of our church members to do something extraordinary for the Lord, to do something that is going to take us into the latter rain. And I believe that the latter rain is very close to falling. But you know, revival and reformation Learning to know our Savior, understanding his righteousness, which is the core of the three angels' messages. Don't let anybody tell you that the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, the fourth angel of Revelation 18, is just a lot of kind of legalistic gloom and doom. At the very core of Revelation 14 is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And as we present Christ, as we are revived and reformed in him, total member involvement takes off. Rwanda was an unusual experience. That was one of the blips of the continuum of total member involvement. In order to have public evangelism take place, or any kind of evangelism, depending on the setting, we have some places in the world that are extremely secular, to call people to a public meeting doesn't work very well any longer. It may have to be online. It may have to be in a small group. The Lord will lead people in those areas. But whatever it is, it is the tip of all the work that not only lay members, but paid workers are doing to help form people's understanding that in looking to Jesus, they will find hope for the future. And then those public events can help to solidify that. The nature of what happened in Rwanda, and you saw a little glimpse of it, was extraordinary. Um, Andy McChesney, who, who is with us from the news editor of Adventist Review, he was one of those who preached his site, my wife's site, Nancy. It was the first time she had ever preached an evangelistic sermon. She's been with me in different places where we've held meetings, you know, and she smiles a lot. She's a great social people person, you know, and she just loves people and maybe she does a better job in bringing people in than I do preaching, but she was challenged to preach. She said to Duane, just find a little tiny place where there may be a hundred people who are going to come. And Duane told me ahead of time, well, they're preparing a place and uh, don't tell her, but uh, there'll be quite a few more people, you know. (laughs) So I didn't tell her. And she didn't even find out that I knew ahead of time until just a few weeks ago, after the fact. She showed up at an outdoor setting where a lot of work had been done in advance. Evangelism will not work unless a lot of preparation takes place. 3,000 people. I want to tell you, though, the most important thing she learned from that experience, She came away. And I have to tell you, this is probably the payoff. The baptisms are fantastic and we give God all the glory for that. But for you personally, whenever you're involved, whether it's in Bible studies in a person-to-person relationship, whether it is in actually preaching the word, something happens to you when you are preaching those truths night after night and it all makes sense because it comes together. You realize... This is God's truth, Bible truth. What happened in Rwanda was something that was extraordinary, and I don't want you to think that it was just evangelistic meetings. Yes, it was 2,227 sites, and there are a few people here who had different sites, Andy included, Nancy and myself. We were only a few of the others, and most of them were lay people. This morning, and I am so grateful that the division presidents accepted our appeal to come to ASI. We've had a marvelous experience, and I hope that this experience will be helping all of us to work together in an even greater synergistic way through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, one of the events that the ASI officers offered to the division presidents was to take them through the exhibits before people are in there. That way they could get through the entire exhibit. So about 6.30 in the morning we met and we went through, I was there about 6.35, anyway we got in and we were wandering around and my friend Blasius Riguri. Blasius stand up, There you, you have to stand up straight and tall Blasius, just stand up, yeah. Blasius is a little bit shorter than some of us, but he is tall in enthusiasm. (laughs) Blasius, thank you, Blasius. Blasius is the president of the East Central Africa Division, the division in which Rwanda is located. Blasius said, I have never experienced We were standing in the exhibit hall and the rest of the people were ahead and we were just standing there for about 10 minutes because he just couldn't stop talking about what had happened. And he said, Pastor, it was the most exciting thing I have ever seen in my life. And you know what, he said? The biggest, one of the biggest elements in what happened was presenting comprehensive health ministry. (laughs) Ellen White tells us that. She tells us it is the right arm to the gospel. It is to go as the pioneer work. It is to go ahead of us, and it is to be for us as well. Health reform is not just for somebody else, it's for all of us. And that represents one aspect of what you can do as a church member, and you don't have to be a physician or dentist to do that. But I'm getting a little longer than my 10 minutes, so I'm gonna have to sit down, but this is so exciting. In East Central Africa Division, Blasius told me this morning, they are planning in about five more unions for next year, they are going to have 17,000 evangelistic sites in five unions. Unbelievable. Now those sites, again, are just the tip of everything else that happens in total member involvement. But it means church officers, pastors, and lay members working together in a dynamic way, not through our own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and intense prayer. God will bless total member involvement. We see it sweeping all across the globe right now. I appeal to all of you to think clearly and seriously as we come to the very end of time. And I'm going to challenge you at the very end. But I want you to be thinking as we have a panel, as other presentations are made, what does God want you to do? Not just for the church. Now, don't get me wrong at all. Those of you who teach Sabbath school, praise the Lord. I love to teach Sabbath school and get involved in all kinds of things. Those of you who are involved in Pathfinders, you're doing soul-winning work. Amen. Those of you who are involved in, in in activities that are within the church for nurturing the church, fellowship dinners and all that, it's all good and it may help, by God's grace, to influence somebody to know Jesus better. But I wanna challenge you. In the church, especially in total member involvement, get involved in something outside the four walls of the church. That's what total member involvement is neighbor connection, in your your office, in your work, whatever it is, keep in mind your total involvement in what God wants you to do, TMI. It's not just something that Duane has placed on a ball or is on a shirt or a tie, TMI. And you know, some people say, well, you know, TMI, that's too much information. And then, and then Duane told me just yesterday or so, he said, this is great. Somebody came up, a millennial came up and said, TMI, you couldn't have thought of a better thing to name it because people will never forget it. Too much information? I want to say, bring it on. Let's have everyone working in total member involvement. Jesus is coming soon. And he expects all of us to be Involved By God's grace, we will. And we will see a fantastic ending to all of this when Jesus himself places that crown on our heads. What a moment that will be. What a time it will be. And we will take off those crowns, we're told, and place them at Jesus' feet and say, Heaven was cheap enough. All of the involvement we were in, nothing in comparison." with what Jesus has done for us. May God bless us as we continue, and sorry to take more time. I get excited about this.
1: (laughs) Wow, that was inspiring. (laughs) I think we could probably just end there and go home. That was such a blessing to have leadership. You know, as a young person, what excites me is that I am involved in a church that has leadership that is just as excited as I am about Jesus coming soon. And um, you know, it was so exciting to see what, um, what was happening with that video. How many of you were blessed by that video? I mean, I just wanted to shout amen the whole time. It's such a blessing to see what God has been doing in other parts of the world. Um, but I don't know about you, as someone that grew up in North America, there's a little part of me inside that kind of wonders, could that really happen here? I believe we are promised that it will happen here. It will happen, and it's beginning to happen. We want to share with you just another short video about how it is happening, total member involvement is happening here in the North American division. And after that, we want to share how it can continue to happen in a greater way.
6: Where you got
2: So I'm an energy advisor. I uh, specialize advising uh, individuals with their solar needs, as well as uh, air conditioning, um, any electric or gas questions they have. I, my job is to make sure that their home is more energy efficient, which helps environment out, which also helps the community out, helps the customers out, save money. So it's a win-win. It's a great way to you know provide for my family. God has blessed me with. You know, when I first met this guy that my friend had introduced me to um, he gave me all the answers straight from the Bible and that's what I respected about having his faith was the answers came uh, directly from the Bible and it wasn't uh, man's opinion or man's understanding so I was very blessed by that. Today my wife and I are Seventh-day Adventists, we've been blessed by the church, um, more importantly blessed by our Savior Jesus Christ um, it's just absolute blessing to have Him in our lives, He saved our marriage uh, Today's blessed us with uh, a good family, uh, two wonderful kids, son and a daughter, and um, just absolutely um, blessed. And so uh, we're very appreciative of our friends and um, those who led us to Christ, and we feel that is our mission and our desire to lead others to Christ as well. Cool thing is in our in our community, um, our neighborhood, there's not as many Adventists. Uh, however, there's an Adventist right below us, and since they moved in, they moved in about three months ago, we started thinking, okay, how can we evangelize our little area together? And so we started inviting our neighbors, family members, and friends, non-Aventists to come over and study. So it's been an absolute blessing. Um, we've reached out to some of our neighbors by just simply inviting them out Friday night. Uh, sometimes it might be a little challenging for them, but the secret is keep being persistent, and they'll eventually come. Uh, they may not come every night, but at least the seeds are planted and uh, it's just absolutely amazing to see people who are hungering for the truth they want to study and they're anxious to study and here we have the truth the only way to get out there is by making the effort taking action going out there wanting to study with people so and uh, it's just really good to know that you know to know the bible because if people know that you know the bible people will bring people to you and and, um, that's exactly what happened to this guy named Alfonso here Um, you know his daughter brought uh, him to me and we began to send the bible before you know it the daughter uh, studies the Bible, and the um, you know, father gets baptized. The daughter does profession of faith. Her friend Greg gets baptized, and now her two brothers, I believe, are baptized. One is a deacon in the church, um, and I believe even the mom is now doing uh, Bible studies right now. So, just, um, absolutely amazing. And so, this guy Alfonso, um, you know, he loves the Lord. I could tell, and um, you know, I, we, you know, it's just amazing to see his whole family and household come together in Christ.
0: Amen. You
1: know, there are just little beginnings, just like Jason. I believe that there are other people, there are many other people in different churches around here in the NAD that are just living their normal lives, but in the midst of their daily activities, they're finding opportunities to actually share their faith. And we wanted to share with you just, um, oh, sorry. We wanted to share with you about five different things that you can do. Five different things, wow, that you can do in your local church. Yeah, this is, this is not working. Okay. It's not that one. That you can do in your local church so that we can experience more of this here. Um, one thing that we've thought of, these are the five things. The first one is revival, and I'm going to talk about that. Revival's number one if you're taking notes, number two is inspiration, number three is training and evangelistic opportunities. Number four is synergizing those evangelistic uh, opportunities. And number five is discipleship. And the first one, the reason why we want to start off with revival is because honestly what we're trying to do here, I believe, is completely and utterly impossible. Um, Sorry about that. Wrong direction. There we go. In Review and Herald... Ellen White says, a revival of true godliness among us is the what? The greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. A revival need be expected only in answer to prayer. You know, I believe that what was going on in Rwanda was a result of the prayers and the fasting and the seeking after God that was happening there. I think one of our problems sometime here, sometimes here in the North American Division is that we don't want it enough. We don't seek for it enough. I hear stories of the largest church in the world in Seoul, South Korea, with over 500,000 people in membership and how they start their year with a 21-day fast. And other great, huge churches here that start their year with huge fasts and and people that are earnestly seeking God, they recognize that they need the power of God. We, We understand that revival is what leads to total member involvement. What we're looking for is not... Just, um, you know, at the end of a long day, you kind of have to push yourself to go out there and uh, maybe give that Bible study or, oh, you know, I got to do that Sabbath afternoon outreach at 2 p.m. that the Bible worker keeps telling me about. And You know, what, that's not what we want. We want church members, and I know we all want to experience this, as church members who genuinely, genuinely want to share our faith because we're so excited about what God has done for us. And that begins with experiencing revival in our hearts. I want to share with you one story um, here about a, wrong way again, about uh, a student that we had in our literature evangelism programs. And these two girls came and had an incredible experience during Youth Rush. And they went back home and had a huge burden and passion for their families. Now, this family grew up Seventh-day Adventist, but they were a little bit, I guess you could say nominal Adventists. They They were Adventists by culture. And when these girls came back, their parents saw these girls starting to have devotions. And these girls started praying for their parents to experience revival in their hearts. And uh, little by little, these parents started to actively get involved. And they started doing their own devotions. They started going to um, Pathways to Health. And amen clinics, they started being involved in evangelism, running depression recovery programs at their church. And now you cannot stop them from doing evangelism. They are just so on fire. And it's because of that revival that was sparked in their hearts as they learned about God and as they recognized who he was for the first time through prayer and Bible study. And that was the first thing that we wanted to share at the very beginning is that as we're talking about total member involvement, realize that this is an impossibility without the Holy Spirit. And realize that the Holy with, with the Holy Spirit, it is a great possibility to happen here in the North American Division. I want to encourage each one of us. Maybe we can go back home and start a prayer group at our church. Whoever said that church only had to have one prayer meeting, you know? (laughs) There should be multiple prayer meetings, and maybe your prayer meeting is more like an Ellen White reading, which is great, but maybe you wanna start something at your church, a Sabbath morning prayer meeting where you're actually getting together and having united prayer. On that resource card that you have on your seat, we have a section there under revival. There are lots of different books that you can read. Daring to Ask for More by Melody Mason. Go to revivalandreformation.org. So many different resources that you can, that will help you experience revival in your own life and help bring that to your church as well. Heidi's going to come up and share with us about the
0: importance of inspiration, and then we'll go through the last few. All right. So revival is number one, but number two is inspiration. How important it it is to actually inspire others to be involved. How many of you are inspired when you hear testimonies? Anybody? I get stoked. I'm like, I want to get out of this room and do something right now. And, and that's how I feel whenever I hear testimonies. And so imagine uh, just how much power a testimony can have. Um, let me go here really quick. We're going to skip through all of this inspiration. Uh, check this out. It says, there are times when it's fitting for our ministers to give on Sabbath and our churches short discourses full of the life and love of Christ, but church members are not to expect what? A sermon every Sabbath. Seriously? Really? I shouldn't expect a sermon every Sabbath? What should I then expect? It says, those who are united with the Lord in the covenant of service are under bonds to unite with him in the great grand work of what? Soul saving. Let church members during the week act their part faithfully, and on Sabbath, do what? Relate their experience. Relate their experience. The meeting will then be as meet and due season, bringing to all present new life and fresh vigor. I love that. So as you're thinking about, okay, you know, I'm in my church. I want to see more people get involved. Number one, are we experiencing that genuine, power, powerful, life changing revival? And then secondly. Are we sharing fresh testimonies every single week of what God is doing? Uh, There's there's a few practical things here um, that I just wrote down. I, I think it's amazing to have a testimony spotlight every Sabbath at church. And not a testimony from two or three years ago, but a testimony from last week of what God has been doing. Uh, That's a powerful thing. Testimonies at large gatherings. I'll never forget going to SoCal camp meeting and hearing miracle roadways and hearing testimony after testimony after testimony and and seeing what God is doing yesterday, the day before, what God has been doing. It has to be shared. Uh, One-on-one testimonies with your friends, obviously. Word of mouth is amazing, right? And then last but not least is media testimonies. How many of you were blessed by seeing Jason Wichipoles just just here? And a few seconds ago, we watched a video. You could share those videos at your church. And on that card, you have all of our contact info. If you need awesome testimonies and videos that you want to share at your church, we will email them to you. We can send them to you. It's no problem. Uh, but we want to be able to share those media testimonies as well up front to get people engaged and excited. So inspiration is key. But then next would be training and evangelistic opportunities. Because you can have this experience of revival, love Jesus, and you're inspired, but you're just sitting there, and you're like, what do I do? And how do I help others get involved in training and evangelistic opportunities? So is going to share that part. Awesome. Um, so with training
1: and evangelistic opportunities, this one really excites me. Um, something that Heidi and I do during the year is we train church members how to share their faith, and it's so incredible to see the results of this. Um, There are a couple quotes here that show us why this is so important. The greatest help that can be given to our people is to teach them to do what? To work for God and to depend on him, not the ministers. The people have had too much sermonizing, but have they been taught how to labor for those for whom Christ has died? Has a line of labor been devised and placed before them in such a way that each has seen the necessity of taking part in the work? One more here. Many would be willing to work if they were what? Taught how to begin. They need to be instructed and encouraged. Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Obviously, as you can tell, we are sharing with you as leaders of your church to go back and recognize the need for training. We do something called Fishers of Men 101, and it's very basic, simple training on how to give a Bible study. So we open up a Bible study guide and we teach people how to give a study straight from the Bible study guide, just using what's there. They pick the three points, they pick their clothes, and then they practice on one another. And um, I really like how it says here, they need to be instructed and encouraged. There was uh, an experience that we had um, after, this is in Watsonville, California, there was a lady there named Emma, and she went through our FM 101, as we call it, uh, training, and part of the training is actually teaching people how to um, <clears throat> visit our great church members at the door. So um, we actually do this, no joke. Um, we, we practice during that training. We have people stand by the door, and we do the training at the church, and we, uh, we pretend that one of the, the people are the visitor, and the other students have to go up there and greet them and say, hi, how are you? Are you visiting today? And so they go and they actually, we teach that. Why do we teach that? Um, It's not because we think that church members don't know how to do that. But sometimes I think we're not in that mindset. So it's good to actually go through those motions. And Emma decided to put this into practice the very next Sabbath. Um, the, the, The leader, the trainer, was telling them, your homework is this Sabbath, you need to be on the lookout for visitors. You need to always be like, your Raiders on, you know, you're not here just on Sabbath just to receive a blessing, you're here on the lookout making sure that there are visitors. And so she was there, she was on the lookout, and it's so great to see these church members, they're like all looking around. And um, this lady walked in, and no one recognized her, and so Emma made a beeline for her to the door, right? And she goes, and she greets her, she makes her feel welcome. Oh, you should stay for potluck, why don't you sit with me? Such great things to say to visitors, right? And so they brought her in, and um, interestingly enough, the story comes out that this girl had just walked in because she had, uh, she, her mom was a Seventh-day Adventist, but she had kind of fallen away, wasn't really into it. One Sabbath morning, just woke up and thought, I should go to a Seventh-day Adventist church. So she asked her mom in Alaska, where can I find one? And her mom said, just Google it. So she Googled it, and she walked into that church. This lady ended up getting Bible studies from Emma, because Emma had just been trained, and she got baptized afterwards. And you know what she said? She said, I wanted to come to this church because I felt so warm and welcomed here. Isn't that incredible? Just one little interaction there that kept her coming back. That's the importance of training. We had another experience with a lady named Bonnie, and this woman was 70 years young. And she had been a Seventh-day Adventist all 70 years and had never given a Bible study in her life. So when she decided to come to FM 101, she was a little bit nervous. But she went through the program, and one of the homeworks for that week was to shadow the Bible worker, And to go with them to knock on doors and to follow up leads. Well, there was this one lady that the Bible worker had been studying with. And he said, I want to give this this study over to Bonnie. I think she's ready. So he said, come on, Bonnie, we're going to go and we're going to follow up on this lead. And uh, they went and they met this lady that A.J., the Bible worker, was studying with. And this lady happened to be the wife of a Pentecostal pastor. And this uh, Bonnie was a little bit uh, nervous, to say the least. And when they walked away from that visit, Bonnie looked over at AJ, and she's like, AJ, that woman's going to eat me for lunch. How am I going to give Bible studies to her? Well, the nice thing is that AJ just encouraged her. As the quote says, he instructed, he encouraged her, and he said, don't worry. You've been having this for a long time. You know your stuff. And so she ended up going back. Long story short, incredible. This woman, Bonnie, took her through all the studies. She ended up, this lady ended up getting baptized, brought her friend, and got baptized. Bonnie cannot stop giving Bible studies now. She is so excited. She had to face her fears, but she did it anyway. And now she said, Well, you know, last year I was praying for two souls. This year, I'm praying for four. And uh, the way that I found out this story is that she was on her way to the Bible study guides, about to pick up um, one um, really heavy Bible study that she was going to give. And so it's incredible to see the, the effect that training can have. I want to give you a couple of... Um, uh, practical tips on trainings that you can do at your church. You know, weekend trainings are nice. They're very nice, but they're a little bit more inspirational. If you want to do trainings that will last, where people will actually get up and, and do something afterwards, they could. They, I encourage you to do ones that are a little longer, eight to ten weeks, about one hour a week or so. Um, you can ask your pastor and church leaders about training in evangelism. Make the training simple, practical, and goal-oriented. For example, if you are going to do a health training, try to work up to something. Try to do a health expo in a few weeks or something. Make it goal-oriented. If you're having an evangelistic series in a couple months, then you want to do FM 101 or Spiritual Friends or some training that will help them implement it afterwards. We want to have goals in our training. Um, I'm not going to share with you that story. A few more things here. You can always hire someone from different Bible colleges actually listed on this resource card. Um, There's also lots of great materials. I firmly believe that the Adventist Church has resources coming out of their ears for anything we want to do in ministry. Uh, Fulfilling God's End Time Mission by Mark Finley. Incredible. If you know nothing about evangelism and want to do something tomorrow, just pick up that book and start reading it. Discipleship Handbook by Mark and Jim Howard, Christian Service, and other things that are listed here. Um, These trainings are very important uh, to help people feel confident enough. I think a lot of Adventists really could do most of everything we do as Bible workers. It just takes a little bit of courage and confidence that training brings. Now, after you do all the training, you need evangelistic opportunities, right? Um, uh, There are a couple of things that I want to share with you here on evangelistic opportunities. Um, On this resource card, you can see so many different things. I wanted to point out. On the resource card, there are a lot of different, um, you know, like health, Bible work, literature, evangelism, different things like that. But I really like what Elder Wilson was talking about, that, that this is not just going out there and even just doing a Bible study or doing public evangelism. But it's in your everyday life. Um, I want to read to you this quote here from Christ's Object Lessons. Every year, millions upon millions of human souls are passing into eternity unwarned and unsaved. Isn't that... So crazy. Every year, millions, from hour to hour in our varied life, opportunities to reach and save souls are open to us. These opportunities are continually, isn't that incredible? She actually says continually coming and going. God desires us to make the most of them. Days, weeks, and months are passing. We have one day, one week, and one month less in which to do our work. It's not just about coming back from your 9-to-5 job and thinking, man, I'm so tired, I still have to make supper, now I have to go and do evangelism. Evangelism happens all throughout that day. It happens as you're interacting with your coworkers. The opportunities God gives, he gives those opportunities. We just have to be open, right, to the leading of his Holy Spirit. That's what we have to do. And so you can find a lot of these um, resources here and a lot of the trainings. Another one quick way right here before I end, another way you can get your church to be more trained and to have more evangelistic opportunities is to actually send them somewhere. And so on here, you'll see something called GlowMissionTrips.org. I don't know if you've heard of glow mission trips, but they are incredible. You should go online and go sign up for the one in Chicago, sign up for the one that's going to Romania soon. They're going to pass out a million glow tracks. Church members of all ages go, and they get on fire for God. They go into aggressive evangelism, and they come back ready to get your whole church aggressive for... on fire for God. And um, another thing that you can send them to is Youth Rush, um, a literature evangelism program. There are lots of different literature evangelism programs. These young people come back, and they just want to share their faith. That's all they want to do. They're so excited. And um, that's, that's one of the things here that you can do. So there are Bible college, there are other opportunities, pathways to health. Send people places and have them come back to your church, and they'll be ready to take on even more responsibilities in, in evangelism and actually get people involved. So those are the last few things here. And um, the last thing that we want to share... Uh, oh man, I'm going to share that story later probably. But um, the last thing we want to share is about synergy and discipleship. You can have a lot of training, you can have evangelism, but they all need to work together for a common goal.
0: Yes. There's an awesome story something that happened down in El Cajon in southeastern California. There were four Bible workers, one pastor, one evangelist, all working together preparing for an evangelistic series. They were excited. And at the end of their evangelistic series, 40 people had made decisions for baptism. Praise God, right? That's awesome, 40 people. And as they were looking through all of these different people, they recognized that only two of them had come from the four Bible worker team. Kind of disappointing, huh, for that Bible worker who's wanting more, you know, to come from their work. But as they looked at the other 38, they had all come through relationships that had been built through 12 different ministries of the church. Isn't that beautiful? Twelve different ministries of the church, a Thai ministry that was reaching out, a health ministry, you know, every single ministry synergistically working together to see things happen, and that's where we have seen a lot of power. Um, I think right here we can learn a lot from the disciples, uh, because it says here, one interest prevailed, one object object swallowed up all others, all hearts beat in harmony, and they only had one ambition— uh, to reveal the likeness of Christ's character and to do what? To labor for the enlargement of his kingdom. Uh, it says these scenes are going to be repeated and with even greater power than were were shown there with the apostles. And I believe it's because of that unity that they had, the synergy that they had. So as you think about uniting a whole church uh, to do evangelism, remember that success in any line demands a definite aim, a definite focus and a definite goal. Uh, we do know that our... Church was created as an agency for the salvation of men. Praise God. That's what the church was developed for. And as we think about that aim, uh, what can we do? These are a few concepts here of developing synergy within your church. Because a lot of ministries can be going on, but how can you experience synergy uh, as you're working together? And the first thing that I like to do is have an evangelism-focused leadership meeting. And no, this is not board meeting. (laughs) Um, At a separate meeting... That is an evangelistically focused leadership meeting. All of the ministry leaders getting together outside of a board meeting, outside of administration, to talk about that year of evangelism and having a full year cycle of what they're going to do together. So it's not like one one ministry is doing something on the same weekend as another ministry and so on and so forth. Um, Coming together for United Prayer uh, to, to develop synergy Praying together, that's one of the best ways to develop synergy right there. Um, Also having a relationship-building focus. If every ministry, whether it be an internal ministry or an outreach ministry of the church, has a focus on building relationships with the community, you're going to start to see a lot happen because there's a lot of relationships being built through every single ministry that's going on. And another big one is calendar-driven events. Having, you know, I'll, I'll tell you over and over again, I've worked with lots of churches that didn't have a focus or a goal point that they were working towards. And it really struggled to get some momentum going, something that they were working towards. And I've seen, you know, one church, no decisions for baptism because there was no calendar-driven event. Next year, everyone's, all the ministries are working towards that one calendar-driven event. And you see tons more people making decisions for baptism. And so there's power behind having those events in the calendar that are plugged in that everyone's working towards. And last but not least, just having a unified mission and vision. Each one reach one. Lose none, disciple all. So as we think about this, think about synergy. What can you do to help your church grow in their their synergy? Not just doing things on their own, but doing things together. And last but not least, I'm not going to cover much on this, but I think that the overlooked aspect of TMI is often discipleship. Because when you look at TMI, you hear, maybe you've heard events, and you've heard giving a Bible study, and you've heard preaching an evangelistic series. But discipleship takes it to that next level of thinking about, am I willing to get into the mess of one person's life for 10, 15, 20 years until they give their life to Jesus? And, And as you think about that, each one reach one, lose none, disciple all, as you think about discipling someone, it can be as simple as one friend that you work with, and it can be as simple as, you know, one friend of every church member in your congregation. Are they willing to get into the mess of that person's life for, for a long period of time to see them come into a deeper relationship with Jesus? If you don't do any of the strategies, but each one truly does reach one, how much would happen there? So as we think about that, we don't want to overlook the key element of discipleship. Um, what we want to do now I know that there's a short amount of time and a lot of information. We have currently cut out at least 50% of our presentation, which is okay. But we we wanted to have a time where we could um, dialogue. And so if there are any questions that you do have, I'd like to invite my panel to come up here and sit down. If you have any questions about total member involvement, how to actually get your church involved in a deeper way, so we're going to start. We have, we have a, f- a couple questions uh, that we can start with. But as the questions come in, and there's one that we think will be really beneficial to everyone here, uh, we would like to have those questions answered um, by our panel who is here today. And we're very thankful that we have each one here. I think the only person that hasn't been introduced officially is Norman. But if you can just go quickly and say your name across the panel.
4: My name is Mormon Wright. I'm a layman. I'm a lawyer from
8: California. I'm an ASI evangelism vice president. Michael Tuazan, director of Souls West.
5: Michelle Ducomis, director of the Wildwood College of Health Evangelism. Renella Kogithi, youth rush coordinator for Central California.
3: And Dwayne McKee. Ted
6: Wilson, TMI promoter. Okay, there we
0: go. I love it. That's excellent. So we're going to begin. We have a question here, I believe for Michelle or Ranella, whoever wants to jump at the mic first. But this is a question that we we thought about, and it's this simple. We're all busy. We live in a world that's very busy, right? Uh, North American Division, I hear this over and over again. I'm too busy. I'm sorry. I just have so much going on. I'm so busy. How can I balance my personal time with doing more ministry? especially if I have a full-time job, family, etc.
5: You know, I hear this question a lot. And, I mean, the first thing I'd like to say is I really do believe in Matthew 6.33, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Some of it is just putting in those priorities first, and then the Lord works. But the other thing is I think there's kind of a misunderstanding. Sorry, this mic. Misunderstanding with this question, and that is we build the separation between my... Evangelistic work. Thank you. We build a separation between our work for God and then our personal work. Like they have to be balanced between the two. Like they're not one and the same. Mm. And that's that's the huge thing, is I think it's a paradigm shift that evangelism is in everything that I do. It's in my family, it's in my work, it's in my church. And when that shifts, you start to see evangelism everywhere, and you start to see things that you can do for God everywhere. And then it's not, this time is for God, and this time is for the rest of my life. But it's like, Lord, how can you take all of my busyness and turn it into something to use
0: for you? Praise God. That's awesome. Another question that we have is, what can I do if I want my church to become active, but I don't sense support from my pastor or church leadership? Um, We decided to direct that question to Elder Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Because we love you.
6: (laughs) Well, that's a challenge, of course. You can always talk to the conference. But I'll tell you the most important thing is probably start with prayer. Mm. And if church members don't see things happening and they see resistance or dragging of feet or misunderstanding. Just get as many people together as you can and start praying. And one of the successes of Rwanda and of what we hope next February will be in Romania, and these are only iso- not isolated, but these are only specific cases of where we're going to be holding evangelistic meetings that are culminating much of total member involvement going on on a day-by-day basis. There are Hundreds of these things happening all over the world, so it's not just where we're focused, but these are just special areas. Uh, one of the things that really helped Rwanda take off, Jerry and Janet Page went to Rwanda and they held incredible, powerful prayer ministry times of emphasis, and the people of Rwanda started praying like never before. Mm and uh, Melody and others who are involved in prayer ministries, these things can help to change situations that are apparently uh, just very resistant. Mm -hmm. But probably another practical thing is just to sit down with the pastor and say, you know, pastor, we really want to do something. Is there anything that uh, will prohibit us from accomplishing something? And if the pastor doesn't kind of go along with it, then of course, just try and work with the local elder or with somebody. Once you start something, you know, this is one of the biggest challenges and it was already mentioned here today. You may train, you may do all kinds of things, but if you don't actually set a date for something, Hmm. if you don't actually say we're gonna do something on a particular day or a particular time and you work towards that, it probably won't happen. Hmm. And so get those together who can actually help make something happen Hmm. And even if you see resistance in different places, by God's grace, it will happen.
0: Hmm. Amen. Praise God. Here's another question that often people have is, I want to be involved, but I'm not an upfront person. I'm very shy. What can I do? And this may also mean I want to get others involved, but I don't feel like I can go up front and inspire them to be involved. What do I do? Renella.
1: So um, you might not believe this, but... I used to be a very shy person, and I know you don't believe me, but you can ask my parents. She still kind of is. (laughs) Um, When I first went canvassing, you know, when you do literature evangelism, you have to talk to like 100 people every day. My parents actually looked at themselves, and they said, they told me this later, they were like, she'll never make it. They said that. And the reason why is because I I didn't like being in large crowds of people, if I went in into a room with more than 10 people, like my hands would sweat and my heart would start beating and I'd be like, I don't know how to carry on a conversation. I don't really know what to say. Um, But thankfully, uh, there was a point that, uh, that God helped me to overcome that. There was no easy way out of that. I believe that God calls us all to be social people. No matter what our personal, like, preferences or our personalities and sort of our excuse, like, I'm just a shy person. I believe God calls us to be social for the gospel's sake. And he called me to um, do a prayer up front when I was about 14 years old at church. And I, I, like, this is how nervous I was the night before. I stayed up for, like, an hour thinking about how, what I'm going to say for prayer um, up front the next day, and I had it all lined out, and I think I even read it. But um, <laughs> I, I was very nervous, but doing that one thing helped me. And I took little steps. Um, Eventually, when I was 15, I preached an evangelist series in Africa, and that helped me completely. Um, But what I would say to you is do not use that as an excuse to not do ministry for God. You will get over your shyness after about five or 10 experiences where you will be nervous. Um, You will soon start to love it, feel more comfortable, and God will actually use you in greater ways to reach people. So I want to encourage those of you that feel very shy, not the upfront type of person, um, whether you're young or old, God can start changing um, your uh, comfort in front of people, in front of uh, a crowd, and he can do that miracle for his glory and so that his work can go forward.
0: Amen. All right, it looks like we have some questions from the audience. Which one are we going to do, Kyle? Come on. Come on. Someone's on the spot. Okay. Are you ready?
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pick one. Okay. Okay, I'm going to pick one. My church has a lot of older people and very few, very few youth. Mm, okay. What can I do to get the members beyond hoping for a growing church and actually working to grow the church?
0: Woo. All right. This is a free-for-all. Mike, anybody, Dwayne? Do you need the question repeated? Was our panel paying attention?
7: Do you got the question, Mike? So, okay, in my church, basically, a lot of older people, very little youth, what can I do to help get the members beyond just hoping to grow the church and actually working to grow the church?
8: I think that's a common question. We see that across North America. Uh, In my union, we're seeing some similar things. Um, Number one is, as Elder Wilson was saying, prayer. That's a big thing. Um, it's also amazing to see what one person can do, um, what one person, they do make a difference. Sometimes you're thinking, what, what can I do? I'm just one person. But there have been times when it's that one person that inspired me um, that you can make a difference. Uh, also knowing that there is outside help, contacting the local conference, trying to avan- uh, do something. Uh, I brought my young people to a youth conference. Uh, I went to a church in Southeastern California conference and at the time they told us that they were contemplating. Doing something with the church, or closing it, or turning it into a Spanish church, because literally all the uh, these two families that were keeping this church alive were moving, and they were a, a family of con- builders, they were construction builders, and when the market turned in California, they moved to Nevada, and they weren't sure what to do, and. God's timing is pretty amazing. My cousin went to that church at that time. It was just a couple of us young people, but we started praying. we started taking people on outreach old and young and we started to tell our friends we started to go door to doors we did an evangelistic series we did a revival uh, we started to to do to train the church members and by God's grace, the church churches grew in attendance and God just kept bringing people and what I realize is there's there's a quote in evangelism I'm probably going to slaughter it, but God will trust whatever the church is ready for God will trust, basically. So if God knows that this church will take care of people, then God will bring people to this church. And we've seen this over and over again. Uh, this church then was uh, decided to call the conference to do a conference, to do, to do an evangelistic series. Um, they went out in faith and, and said, we're going to go out and, and raise the money for it. Uh, so there is an element of uh, going on faith, raising money, contacting the conference, contacting other ministries, and getting help. And so that's what I've seen, is that knowing, hey, you're not your own island, there's a conference, there's a union, there's a division, there's a general conference, and there are resources. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, is just understanding there's resources, praying, and of course, actually doing something. I just want to add one thing. I'm sorry, I'm jumping
7: in. I'm not on the panel. But
8: I don't, please
7: don't underestimate, if you're an older person, I want to ask you to raise your hand. But don't underestimate the power that you can have on a young adult. Oh,
5: seriously.
7: You can change someone's life and totally engage them. And there are so many stories we could share, but I just wanted to add that one point. You may be in a, a dead church, but you, by your one, one loving example to a young person, can change their life forever.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen, praise God. All right, we're gonna move on. We have two more questions that we'll do. Um, one question that I wanna direct at Norm is, how can ASI support me in doing local ministry, and what resources can ASI support me with?
4: Well, the answer to the question is probably the same. Uh, ASI has already prepared the New Beginnings materials 15 years ago, uh, we developed uh, a set of materials that, that is complete, we call it Full Message, 26 sermons, including the last one is American Prophecy, that is very relevant to today, translated originally into 33 languages, we have 37 languages and it's growing, and in this room there are people who uh, have asked us to do Serbian, we're working on that. And this morning, I was asked to do Japanese, and we're going to support Swahili, so th- that's the mode we're in. We're 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 really in a in a in a high volume, new mode of uh, language support for the World Church. The individual level, the materials online, you can download it. It's free. There's no cost model at all. For big meetings, uh, calendar-driven meetings, we have budget for doing printing. Uh, we supplied uh, 2,500 manuals for Rwanda. You know, there were the sermon manuals that were used in the field. I'm, I'm choking on 17,000 manuals for Swahili, but if we get an offering tomorrow, we'll do it.
0: <laughs> Amen. Each of you that came in should have received that thumb drive that already has the New Beginning series on it, so I encourage you to go home tonight and start preaching. How does that sound? Um, last question we'll direct at Elder McKee. How can I disciple someone else to do evangelism if I'm just learning myself? How can I help get other people involved if I'm just learning myself?
3: I think she was 36 years old. She, uh, she had lived under a bridge in a cardboard box here in Phoenix 12 years ago. And uh, Pastor's daughter, her father died and she got discouraged and left home. And her stepmother kept praying for her, Jerry. And uh, had a series of meetings here. Sean Boonster, she came to the meetings, her life was changed few months later, the Camelback Church Center on a mission trip to preach a series of meetings in Tanzania, and she's still very active witnessing for Jesus today. Mm. I think one of the most important things is, is to take the, the TMI prayer card, and you, you, you can pick them up, maybe you have it already, and, and write down a few names. Pray daily, mm. not hard, mm. but the hard part is don't write down too many names. <laughs> uh, you, you're supposed to do something nice once a week <laughs> for every one of you. Well, that's all right. We're all nice people, aren't we? And then invite them to to some special event of the church, hmm. uh, Chantel, This is what made the difference I think in uh, in Rwanda you know, Rwanda is 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 a miracle. Hmm. The, the people there had said to go for sixty thousand, but people are praying for for one hundred thousand. I never thought it would happen, <laughs> but it 's just a miracle, absolute miracle. I, we've done lots of uh, meetings in the area. We lived 10 years nearby in the Congo and never seen anything like this. It's hmm. just, it's a miracle of God. Hmm. And, and Chantel took her card. She wrote down 11 names. She prayed daily for every name. She went to visit them. She encouraged them. She uh, gave them things, food and different things and helped all 11 people, brought them to the meetings. All 11 were baptized. Wow. And so I, I think one of the most important things any of us to do is write down names, take, okay. you know, take a card, take all these cards, and, and duplicate it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, being used around the world, the TMI <laughs> prayer card, and do something nice Amen. once a week and bring it to some special event. Pray that they'll accept Jesus. Then.
0: Mm. That's beautiful.
3: Oh, by the way, one other thing, you have another sheet here. If you yeah. want to get involved and do meetings, you're welcome to come with us to Moldova, to Ukraine, to Georgia, Romania. <clears throat> Or Bulgaria. You have a a lot of choices in February and March next year.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. So we can start out by thinking of those two or three that we want to pray for. Write them down, start praying for them, do something nice for them once a week, and then invite them to something special. That's very simple, right? And that's something every member can do.
7: This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.